This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. This is John Katsimatidis. It's 5 o'clock, the number one show uh, on the East Coast, and uh, and uh, we have a great uh, studio uh, participation today. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have... Uh, Chairman of uh, New York State GOP at Cox, we have Congressman Peter King, and I, Congressman, I understand a mutual friend of ours heard your conversation uh, that me and you had about Ireland on Monday, and President Clinton called you and had you on the phone for forty-five minutes. Yeah, he was one of the uh, a million people listening to the show. Now he called me, and he, again, he was on for forty minutes, forty-five minutes. He spoke about what was going on in Ireland, the twenty-fifth anniversary of the. Uh, Good Friday Agreement. Also, it's talking about WABC, how well it's doing. And then it was like a tour of the world. He went through every, from everywhere from Haiti to Africa to Ukraine to Russia to uh, uh, you know, the presidential race. I mean, Bill Clinton he is, is like one a, common sense really Democrat. Is. But he's extremely friendly, extremely yeah. uh, cooperative. And it was, you know, you know he's a former president. It well, was, it was honor to speak with I'm, him. I'm glad he uh, heard our show and uh, and heard our conversation. He's one good guy. And uh, Rita Cosby, I understand we have a great guest this morning. We do. This afternoon. But before we get to that, Are we you... coming or going? Wait, wait, wait. But we're talking about international affairs. You had uh, something with the Italian community last night for your I book. I didn't have an affair. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I spoke on, on my no new Monica book. No Monica Lewinsky <laughs> here. No Monica Lewinsky here. On my here. new book, we, uh, <laughs> I spoke at the Columbus Club, uh, and uh, I had I had them uh, terrific people. And But I'll tell you the best. They took me to dinner at the uh, uh, downstairs, and I'm a member of the Columbus Club, uh, and the food was so good. And I heard uh, lots of books were signed, by the way, uh, big time. Another, and what, what, what's the name of the book? Uh, how Far Do You Want to Go? How Far Do You Want to Go? Come on. We and know if that. you read the book, you're going to make a billion dollars. You'll get if more you read calls it, from presidents. If you read it, if you read it <laughs> twice, you're going to make two billion. Wow. I'll take that. Well, joining us now here on Cats and Cosby, a lot, an action-packed show, by the way, we've got today. We've got Rana McDaniel, who is the current chairwoman of the RNC. And uh, Rana, great to have you here. This is Rita Cosby with the great John Katsimatidis and the great team here. Uh, big news today about the debates, about the GOP debates. Yeah, big news. I wish I were there with you guys. I just left New York. I was there on Monday and Tuesday, and I was there today. Uh, you got to join us well, next you, time. You know, you know where our, you know where our studio is. Our home is your home. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, Ed, hey, Rita, hey, everybody, Hello. hey, John. Um, so we just made uh, big news. We announced that we're going to have the first debate in August in Milwaukee. But we announced our partnership. Fox News will be hosting the debate. And we actually are going to have partners with Young America's Foundation. We know we need to continue to reach out to young voters and really expand that reach. And then for the first time ever, we're going to live stream the debate on the RNC channel on Rumble. 
And this is intentional because we've watched what Google and YouTube have done. And we really wanted to support a conservative platform in Rumble. And that is where the debate will be seen on the RNC. And channel. if you'd like WABC, we will transmit it too. Just let us know. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. And so, but this is exciting news for us. And, you know, the debates are not that far away. They're in August. Now, how many people do you think are going to be on the stage? I mean, we know there's a couple candidates. And by the way, obviously, the big news, uh, Senator Tim Scott formed an exploratory committee, announced it this morning. Are we going to see like a full stage? And do you think they'll all fit on one stage or will it have to be two nights? Or double-decker. Double-decker like a double-decker bus. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We'll have like a survivor who can stand on a platform longer, gets to go on the stage on one foot. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be two stages based on what I'm seeing right now. It is developing later, the field. Right now, we have Nikki Haley, who's announced Vivek Ramaswamy, Asa Hutchinson, and, of course, President Trump has announced. We saw Tim Scott take that move today. We have others like Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence and Ron DeSantis and Sununu. We just don't know what they're going to do yet, or Chris Christie. So I still think that would keep us with one debate stage, even if all of those people got in. But uh, I think uh, it's going to be a wild ride, and August is going to be here quicker than we think. And I cannot wait to have the next president of the United States on that debate stage because we have to beat Joe Biden. Well, and it's going to be fiery because Trump, as you said, is going to be there. Uh, he did an interview last night, and he was throwing out zingers. It, it's definitely going to be lively, and you know a lot of people are going to be tuning in. Well, in 2016, that was really the kickoff to his campaign. That's when people realized he was a serious candidate. And can handle himself with other politicians. And that's when he raised his hands, one person who said he wouldn't take the pledge. And what happened? Yes. What well, pledge, what pledge was pledge. that? He did take the pledge in 2016. He finally though, took the pledge. Tell, tell them about the yeah. pledge. He tell finally everybody. took the pledge. Well, you know, after that, Rana, I was interviewed by a Post reporter, and he said, what do you think about his not taking the pledge? And, well, if he does that, he's not going to get the nomination. Next morning in the Post, a big headline, GOP big, that was me, says... Disloyal Trump, a loser. Now explain what the pledge is, Ed Cox, because people oh, need to hear it. The pledge, the pledge is that you pledge you're not going to do a third party run. And so, yeah. Ron, where does it stand now for this one? Well, he finally did. He take finally the pledge, did, right? And he called me and wanted he me did. to be there when he signed the pledge. Oh, so take, you, you, okay. He did. This yeah. will have another element to it, which will also be that you're going to support the eventual nominee. I think one of the things coming out of 22 we saw is. You know, sometimes Republicans are refusing to support other Republicans. They won't endorse the candidate. We saw this in Arizona, right? The candidate going against Carrie Lake refused to endorse her. And Republicans are the reason that we didn't win that governorship, Republicans not voting for other Republicans. So I think we really need to make sure that if you're going to be on the RNC debate stage, you are going to pledge to the voters that when the dust settles, you're going to support the nominee because at the end of the day, it's about beating Joe Biden and not about fighting each other. Did he agree to that part of it? Like you just said that he would support whoever the nominee is because there was said, debate on that. You know, listen, he has said publicly, I'm going to support the pledge because okay. I'm going to be the nominee. That's what he said. <laughs> but but what if he's not? Did he go well, to the well, other part? <laughs> that's what he said last time, too. Right. That's what he said this time. I think there, you know, And then you have a whole bunch of people who are saying, I will, will never support Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Well, then you're not going to be on our debate stage. I think that's a big part of it, too. You're not going to come on the RNC debate stage coming in and saying, oh, I'm so much more important than the party and the voters. Listen, it's going to be a fair contest. And whoever gets the nomination through winning Iowa, New Hampshire and Nevada and then South Carolina and so on and so forth, 
they deserve the support of every single person, or you don't need to be on the RNC debate stage. Why would we host anybody who won't support our eventual Good nominee? for you laying down that rule in advance. That, uh, that clarifies it. You know, one of the things he said, by the way, last night, Trump did an interview last night, and he, he was asked, no matter where all these legal things go, and Judge, you know there's a lot of legal things out there. He also, by the way, sued Michael Cohen today, uh, so there's a lot on there. He said, no matter where I am, even if I'm convicted, I am still running in 2024. He said, nothing will get me to quit, Judge. Well, there's, no, there's no constitutional bar against him doing that. Yeah, he can. He said he's determined, and, and he will still be there. So it, it's going to be really interesting. You're going to have some great debates, Rana. I know it's going to be wild, uh, but, you know, when I look at, when I talk to my neighbors and I talk to my friends, I, I just talked to somebody who said his wife might lose her job. Um, I know people are really desperately concerned about inflation. Uh, John, you were on TV today talking about, you know, the Fed may be raising rates and heading into a recession. People are hurting, whether it's fentanyl, whether it's the border, whether it's crime. People are really concerned, and they are looking at our party and saying, please hand us a lifeline. Please hand us a lifeline to prosperity and the American dream and the, the country that we know and love because Joe Biden's destroying that for us. And so Rona, I the was only on, way we do that is as a united party. Uh, Rona, I was on Maria Bartolomo's show this morning. Yep. And, and uh, you know, the other two gentlemen that were with me, they're, they're nice people, but they're historians. They don't realize uh, what, what was going on. And, and our country is hurting. And, uh, Very much. And... and, and the Chinese and Russians and uh, are, and the Saudis now, because they hate uh, President Biden, uh, are gathering up the troops and cr- creating a new evil empire uh, for uh, against the uh, the, the Western uh, Western countries. When you see China brokering a deal with Saudi Arabia and Iran, that's frightening. That is frightening for our country. And now you've seen that they're going to cut back on oil production and gas prices are going to go up. Biden is an abysmal failure. And there's one thing I think we can all agree on. President Trump did amazing things at the national level, at the, at the global level. He held NATO accountable. He, he made us energy independent. He did things with now, the, the, the Abraham right. Accords. Now, the, Abraham the, the, the other thing. I mean, it's just night the, and day when you were in the Middle East. I was just there. there they really loved. They, felt, they saw so much opportunity with Abraham Accords, and it's all fail, failing under the Biden administration. And the, the joke I tell is uh, whether you like Trump or didn't like Trump, he, 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 our country was well-respected. Uh, in the world. And the other joke I say is uh, President Trump terrorized the terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he said Judge, that, by the way, last night. Yeah. He said that they were 10 percent scared of him, North Korea, and that 10 percent was enough. Go yeah, ahead, there Judge. used to be something called the Monroe Doctrine, which is now being violated on a daily basis as Latin America and South America is being taken over by left wing regimes that are allied with China and Russia and Iran. That's very, very dangerous for our country, Ron. And he promptly, President Trump promptly made the decision to take out Soleimani, which was the right thing to do. That was the mastermind of terror across, and anti-Americanism across the Mideast. And Peter King, you were saying? by the way, energy independence is national security. And President Trump understood that. So, and I think that this is why this debate process and this primary process is so pivotal and it's going to be tough guys we know there's going to be some sharp elbows and things are going to be said and at the end of the day cooler heads have to prevail once that dust settles because the only thing we can do to lose is to is to fight amongst ourselves and the reality is when when donald trump came into office the uh isis had a caliphate the size of the state of connecticut 
Within two years, the caliphate was gone, all because of President yeah. Trump. Yep. yep. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Rona McDonald, and uh, congrats, congratulations, <laughs> Thanks, and uh, we'll we'll catch up again real soon. Next time I'll come in studio. We'll have fun. Okay. Uh, we got we got an extra chair for you anytime. We can't wait. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> thank you. Take care. All right. Thank you. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we have we got John Solomon news. with some breaking news. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it? <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. With us today is John Solomon, and he always has the breaking news. John Solomon, today is Wednesday. What breaking news do we have in the world? Oh, we have a lot going on, starting with Democrats maybe eating one of their own a little bit. There is pressure among Democrats to force Senator Dianne Feinstein out of Congress now, not wait to the end of her term. She's been recovering from a case of shingles, hasn't been there. And uh, the Biden administration and their Democratic allies in Congress mad that they haven't been able to get more judges through the, the process there, uh, this is a very sensitive issue. you got two senators both dealing with health issues, uh, one of them the Pennsylvania senator, the other the California senator. Feinstein getting a little bit more nastily treated by her own party in this uh, a close uh, a, a development we're going to keep a close on. I think there's going to be a lot of friction in that in the next couple of weeks. Some other big ones, uh, Donald Trump today sued Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, uh, just for a small dollar amount, $500 million. Well, he'll probably he, collect about $1. That's probably right. Yes, I, I, I may, it may be the symbolism of it, but uh, he, he says that uh, Michael Cohen deceived him, uh, profited off him and properly violated his attorney-client privilege. A big, big uh, lawsuit there that has implications in that criminal investigation, of course, as well. Uh, and then uh, uh, Senator Johnson, who spent a long time investigating Hunter Biden back in 2020, back when people used to call the Hunter Biden scandal a conspiracy theory, which we know it is not, uh, says that his staff personally saw millions of dollars going through Chinese companies to uh, Hunter Biden through uh, bank accounts. These were in those sealed bank records known as SARS, suspicious activity reports. It's the most detailed accounting that Senator Johnson's ever given about what he saw when he was given access to those secret monies. He laid out a couple of the transactions, but the uh, the direct line between Beijing and the Biden household gets bigger and more clearer uh, every day. And Senator Ron Johnson contributed to that today. John, this is Pete King. Are you getting any reports or any rumors that prosecutors are seriously going after Hunter? This seems to be just sitting in it now for years. You are exactly right. It's a great question, Congressman. I'm working on a story. I think we'll have some visibility into it next week that will explain why, in the face of all of this evidence, there hasn't been a resolution to the criminal case. I think it will be a big story. It'll have a lot of different complications and nuances to it. But there is a resistance to the uh, indictment of uh, Hunter Biden that I think is going to come into clearer 
picture in the next two weeks. And when I think when people learn the facts, we're still gathering them. Uh, it'll, it'll explain what's going on. It probably will only make the scandal bigger. But there clearly is some resistance within the bureaucracy to um, indicting or making a decision, at least on Hunter Biden. And I think that's going to come into clearer focus in the next two weeks. And uh, John also. Uh, John, you have a question. I, I had a question. There was a report this morning that the Chinese threatened uh, President Biden that they're, they're going to expose to the Senate committee uh, uh, all the reports and all the money transfers. Yeah, that was Senator Johnson. So what he was saying is the fact that a Chinese bank was willing to report these transactions and even let my committee see it tells me that the Chinese think they have some leverage on the Biden family and that this was a warning shot. Hey, we'll give up some of the bank records. You better be nice to us because we might have more on your son. That was Senator Johnson, who we talked about top of the show. That was his comment to The Washington Times. Uh, He has raised for quite some time his personal belief that the Biden family is so compromised on China that China has more than we know on the family. And he accentuated that in that interview at The Washington Times today. You correctly remember that, John. And, you know, John, you know, it's amazing, too, all these new details about how many times Hunter Business Associates visited the White House. There's a new report that yeah. at least 80 times uh, while he was just vice president alone. And Joe Biden, as we know, continually says, I never met him. I didn't do anything about it. What's your reaction to all of that? Well, I started looking at those entry records a long time ago, and, and we saw lots of uh, Hunter Biden business partners engaging coming into the White House. Uh, one of them, one of the most famous ones is uh, is the, the man who got Hunter Biden, his job at Burisma, Devin Archer, now a convicted felon waiting to go to prison. He was in with the president meeting at various times, including the day before Hunter Biden was told he was getting that Ukraine uh, board seat, which, you know, earned him millions of dollars over several years, created all that controversy. Uh, the total number keeps growing as we learn of new players that we didn't know were connected to Hunter Biden. I think there are a total of 80 visits that we now know of people that were in the inner circle of Hunter Biden's business that got in the Obama White House while Joe Biden was vice president. That's just one of many things that belie the the stories that Joe Biden has given us when he looked in the camera and said, I had nothing to do with my son. I never talked to my son or his partners. Uh, I was never involved in his thing. We know that at least in a couple instances, he, he showed up at dinners arranged by Hunter Biden so that his business partners could meet Joe Biden. We also know that on that famous trip to Beijing, uh, so not in the White House, but uh, coming off of Air Force Two, uh, Hunter Biden introduced one of his Chinese business partners to Joe Biden that ultimately comes to enrich the family quite a bit over the there next several years. So many lies. There's so many yeah. lies, and it's obvious. And I the mean, dots, you see and, the and, dots connecting. And, and nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to do anything about it. And, uh, Congressman King, what, what say you? I mean, well, I know if Donald Trump looks the wrong way, they try to indict him. I mean, talk about evidence that's out there. You talk about yeah. a double standard, right, Congressman standard, King? My goodness. Double standard, triple standard. This, this to me, is so... So flagrant. That, that's what's most aggravating about this. Well, uh, John Solomon, anything else you want to tell the American people? we got about a minute left. You know, there was a lot of uh, regulatory action taken today by the Biden EPA that is going to try to force two-thirds of the new cars that are built in 2032 to be electric vehicles. There are two consequences to this. One is that electric vehicles are way more expensive than gas-powered vehicles right now. So this could hit everyday Americans in the pocket hard the next time they go buy a car. But more importantly, we are 20 years away from having a grid that could support that many cars. Another example, maybe, of the Biden administration putting the cart before the horse. If you don't have the grid, don't put the cars out there. 
That didn't get answered in today's regulations. I'd keep an eye on that. This is going to become a brewing controversy. In uh, I think that I, I think it is crazy that they're trying to do that. And uh, hopefully there's going to be a new president uh, to counteract those orders. And, uh, and guess who it benefits, John? It benefits China also because they're the ones with all the batteries. They're the ones with all the batteries. Right. <laughs> crazy. Guys, it's right back to the first story. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, John Solomon, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Great honor to be with you all. Wow, very interesting about all those EV cars. Well, speaking of vehicles and technology, joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is former NYPD transit detective uh, Mike Safraconi. And, Mike, I'm so glad you're on. I know that you know our great uh, Peter King here, too, in studio. But I, we were laughing. This new technology that you're here to talk about uh, that the NYPD just put out, it's getting lots of headlines. They're calling a snitch bot is one that looks like R2-D2. The other looks like it's a mechanical dog. Uh, talk about uh, what it's supposed to do. And do you like it, or is it, or is it a little freaky? Because it's it's a little bit like uh, a, a little high technology. Go ahead. Well, thanks, Rita, John, and Peter. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Good talking to you, Mike. Well, I kind of hope hope Diggy Dog kind of takes a bite out of the client. Oh. <laughs> well, Peter, when we go back and talk about when your dad was on the job and when I was on the right. job, we never had this kind of technology, right? So I think it's a great thing. I think anything we can do to help out the police, I'm kind of happy for Mayor Adams and uh, Police Commissioner Sewell to initiate this. I think the dog will be a great thing. I know de Blasio had pushed back on this. He was worried, and the city council was worried that we would be spying on people and getting information. That's absurd. These things, anything we can do to help the police to move forward to fight crime is always a plus. Uh, you know, with the K5, R2-D2, whatever you call that little guy, I was actually out in North uh, California about a month ago, and I saw kids trying to push it around the parking lot. It was doing parking patrols. So I know it has a lot of things that could be contributing to helping the police, but I think it will only be as good as the police officer who's with it because it, it really needs to depend on still having a human work with it and control oh, it. Mike, maybe like how long would you take you know, to train the cop to be – you're familiar with it and, and to use it effectively. You know, Peter, I don't know, but I would say it's got to take a, a good month or so to get used to it and understand it. And, I mean, technology keeps changing, right? It's it's constantly being updated. So, and I think the police department's done a great job in training our law enforcement. I think they'll continue to do that with whatever we need for this. Uh, you know, another thing I'm looking at, this star chase thing, and I don't know if you guys know much about it, the GPS thing, but... Uh, Old Westbury put that into effect into play about a month ago or so, and it got a lot of media attention. But I see it in a place like Long, Long Island, maybe working or other uh, that type of communities. Mike, what does it do? What does it do? Well, it, it kind of follows the car, so they shoot it at the car, and it kind of can track where the car's going. I don't see it as an attribute here in the city. I don't think it's going to help that much. I think I'm, I'm not looking at it as a good crime deterrent. I think more cameras, and we have all these license plate readers down things. I think things like that will serve the purpose rather than this shoot the gun at the car and stick the GPS device to the car. But you think um, the R2-D2 and the dog are good. Um, you know what's interesting? I'm all for, obviously, protecting our police. I think about what happened the other day. We've got an officer right now who is clinging to life. In Louisville, that heroic young cop who had only been on four shifts, and he was charging towards the gunman. So anything that can protect our police. Um, Ed, you have a question to Ed Cox. Yeah, can this dog shoot? 
<laughs> does, does it have, does it have a phasers? Yeah. I don't, I don't think you can. But Do you need to put doggy even... treats or anything? Do anything? <laughs> we won't, we'll ask think... more about it. <laughs> yeah. But I think, uh, again, Rita, I agree. And I, I just think, Peter, too, anything that can help the police, we should take advantage of, especially right now and where we're living. Yeah, absolutely. One thousand. No, it doesn't shoot is what you're yeah, saying. No, it's I, it's I, more of a listening device. I, I obviously. think this is just a start. I bet it's going to get more and more sophisticated and it could be used to go into these shooter situations very quickly. Yeah, And the dog goes into the hostage situations, right? Because yeah. the, there's two of them it real was. quick, uh, real quick, Mike. Yeah, it was. And they used it and it was successful in it. So I, I think there's probably a lot of things, different things as we move forward with it that we can learn from it and do with it better. You know, I, I'm sure if you put that dog in front of a turnstile, I think you might think twice about jumping over those turnstiles. Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> right? Great point. Mike, thank you. You're terrific, and thank you for your great service. It's okay, Mike. And now we're going to go to Lou Dobbs, see how the markets did today. And when we come back... Melissa have, DeRosa. Oh, she is one powerful woman, and... I want to hear what's going on in Albany. Secretary. uh, (laughs) Yep. And uh, let's go to Lou Dobbs. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back and uh, we have uh, a, a powerful show for the rest of the half hour. What do we have? We have Melissa DeRosa. Yeah, she's coming up. And then we got Dr. And then Peter Mihalos. Dr. Peter on, on, on what uh, Governor Pataki challenged uh, on. on that vitamin D three K two. Yeah, big news. And then we end John with Michael Goodwin, of course, from the New York Post, talking about how basically the buck doesn't stop with President Biden. We got a lot to talk about on this great show. And joining us now is Melissa DeRosa. Of course, she was the secretary to then Governor Andrew Cuomo, the right hand person. Melissa, uh, great to have you. We have a lot to talk about, but I, I want to throw out first about the rat czar for two seconds because uh, did you hear that there's now a new rat czar um, who is on board? And it's a woman, Kathleen Conrad. Uh, uh, and she also, by the way, the cost, get this, cities announced the creation of a Harlem rat exclusive. Exclusion zone, and it basically costs three point five million to improve and increase inspections. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of cheese. This is a lot of cheese. I have to be honest. I haven't been watching the rat czar issue super closely. I know obviously this has been an issue for Eric Adams for the last year. He's been talking about this issue. So you know, apparently he's putting his money where his mouth is, or someone's money where their mouth is. So following through. Yep, absolutely. And let me, let me go to Judge Weinberg. You have a lot of questions. Melissa, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. I think there's a rat up in Albany about what's going on with the appointments to the Court of Appeals. First of all, you have uh, Governor Hochul totally folding to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party in terms of their nominee. Instead of having a centrist, they go with, they go with a liberal. Then they go off the uh, constitutional obligation to uh, have a separate commission review and recommendation names, saying to go off to the 
the previous list, which is unconstitutional. And now you have Senator Stuart Cousins saying you're going to have direct appointments and abolish the uh, Judicial Commission, which is an independent screening panel, to make sure there's no politics and partisanship and you get the best people. What do you say about all this? Yeah, but the state senate would draw up the list, which makes Of course. It, yeah. Peter King, Congressman <laughs> King, is exactly right. What's going to do is the, who, who, the state senate, the staffer will come up with the names of the list and give it to Hochul, and Hochul will have to say amen to that list. Well, the Senate already took it over by denying LaSalle by, for the first time ever that the Senate, under advising consent, nixed a nominee of the governor. The whole thing is absolute. I smell a rat. I have to tell you that. No, what do you say, Melissa? The, the, whole, the whole thing is a, is a disgrace. And honestly, there is a, a crisis of confidence right now in the judicial system nationally. I think you see what happened with the Supreme Court when they overturned 40 years of precedent on Roe. You see what happened in this last couple of weeks, last couple of days, excuse me, with the ProPublica article you know, outlining potential ethical issues around Clarence Thomas. You see the, the weaponization of D.A. Bragg in what I view, weaponization of what D.A. Bragg did with Trump. You're seeing it on the left, right, and center, and it's just getting worse. And here in New York, it's being completely corrupted. So the redistricting case, which I think sort of set off all of this, that was brought by the Republicans, but then also backed by good government groups, then, you know, it ended up overturning these highly gerrymandered, districts that was flouting the, the state constitution. That law, anti-gerrymandering law, was put into place after two successive votes of the people of New York State. It was unequivocal, 58 percent, 60 percent said they do not want gerrymandered districts. The legislature acted in violation of the state constitution when they gerrymandered those seats. The case goes up, the court acts appropriately and on the merits of the law and strikes down those seats. I'm a Democrat. Of course, I would love more Democratic gerrymander districts. It's more important to abide by the Constitution, which is what the court did. Then, as a result of that, all of this around Janet DeFiori, she gets pushed out as the, the chief judge of the Court of Appeals. And since then, everything around the Court of <clears throat> Appeals has been a complete and total debacle. So to your point, Judge, to your point, Chairman, now you have what do you, we have two wrongs make a right. We have two wrongs, three wrongs, four wrongs. It's all gone off the rails. You're trying to violate the Constitution by picking two which is in direct violation of the Constitution. I'm sure it'll get challenged, and then that'll get thrown out. They'll have to start over again on the associate judge position. And then you have Andrea Stewart-Cousins came out yesterday saying, we don't like the process, which has been in place since 1977. We want to pass a constitutional amendment to strip the process where you have the judicial screening panel that goes through, vets judges, puts together a list of highly qualified judges for consideration. The entire point of it was to remove politics from the judiciary at the highest level in New York, and they want to go backwards. So it is just a disgrace across the board. I served on that Commission on Judicial Nomination for 18 years. I have to tell you, it did a very good job right from the scratch in screening the the the, the, the candidates for either associate judge or chief judge. And uh, it will also, the way the voting process worked, which was secret voting, Things could happen there in order to eliminate people who just weren't suited to be the appropriate judge on the Court of Appeals, which is the only court in the United States that has its own name. It's not a Supreme Court. It is the Court of Appeals, and it's what known as the most prestigious common law court in the world. And we want to keep it that no. way. And that, that no. commission was meant to do that. 
you know, you're absolutely right. And if you if you trace back how this is happening, it's happening because the far left in the legislature was unhappy that the Court of Appeals acted appropriately in upholding the Constitution. And so they are doing their best right now to strip them of any credibility and ensuring that moving forward, the court acts non-politically. And the, re- and so- the result of upholding the Constitution was a special master redrew the districts, and we have more competitive districts than any other major state. Actually, there are nine competitive districts, which means you compete. It doesn't mean that, you know, four of them, which is where the gerrymander works, are all Republican and the other 22 are all Democrat. That means that the vote really goes to the primaries rather than the general election. When you have competitive districts, that's what's important. And boy, we were going to we did very well last November because it it was a it was a red year. The presidential year in in the state's going to be a Democratic year. We're going to have to fight to hold on to them. Well, and and the larger point is, Chairman, and I agree with everything you just said, but the larger point is that's what the people of the state of New York wanted. It was on the ballot. They went to the ballot box and they affirmatively said, we do not want January. By the way, credit to Governor Cuomo for getting it started. You've been very, (laughs) you've hung back. And and that's that's right. We did did the anti-gerrymandering under Governor Cuomo. And the point is, you're not supposed to substitute your judgment as, as politicians for the people when the people make those kind of decisions. And it's like when you see what's happening with the judiciary, what's happening with the weaponization of prosecutors across the country, across the board, it's like, why are we trying to outdo them here in New York and make it worse here? We have a good system in place. It has worked since 1977. Why are we trying to go backwards and do things that are more reminiscent of a corrupt era that we're trying to distance ourselves? Well, so, Melissa, if you listen to these guys, it sounds like this radical right wing court. Those judges are all appointed by Andrew Cuomo. That was a centrist court. No, Congressman, I I made this point on Twitter today. I said the press is part of the problem because the press has continued to label that court a conservative court. There's one Republican on that court. One Republican, the rest are Democrats. The point is that they are well-qualified jurists who act in the best interest of the law and the Constitution and not on their political whims. So if that makes them conservative, it's like we're divorced from reality here. Yeah, they're not far left enough. <laughs> That's the, uh, the That's bottom the line. Point. That's the whole <clears throat> point. If they abolish this commission, what do you think you're going to get? They're going to pack the court with ideological extremists. That, that, yeah, it's that's what they want to do. Melissa well, DeRosa. When you, look at, when you look at what happened over the weekend, right, when you had two, two dueling decisions come down on the abortion pill, one that was saying it's unconstitutional, the other saying it absolutely should be upheld. It leads the American public to say, what is going on with the judiciary? This does not seem like judges are interpreting the law and making decisions based on the law. It feels like they're doing it based on personal politics. And what they're doing in New York only further reinforces that, and it erodes the confidence in what is supposed to be the non-political branch of government that holds the whole thing together. So it's incredibly dangerous, and I think we should be ringing the alarm bell about this for as loudly as we can. Said from a Democrat, too. Thank you, Melissa, very much. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, let's all stay on top of it to make sure we have law and order. And and I, I cry for our city and I cry for our state. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, there shouldn't be politics in that. Wow. And 
Now, <clears throat> yesterday, Governor Pataki, was it Monday? Yeah, I think it was he Monday, was very right? much concerned. It feels like years ten, ago. Oh, vitamin D3. I thought it was yesterday. Maybe it was. I, I lost track of time. <laughs> vitamin D3 is a miracle drug, it looks like, or a miracle vitamin. And uh, it was our recommendations to take it along with K2. And Dr. Pataki was against and the case. Dr. Pataki, uh, Dr. Pataki, uh, honorary title. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Felt concerned that it might have blood clots, and we call upon our in-house genius, Dr. Peter Michalos. Uh, give us an update. Well, what happens is that uh, people sometimes get confused because vitamin K is the antidote when people are taking blood thinners, and if you get into a car accident, and you're on Coumadin or before surgery, they give you vitamin K because it's the antidote to increase your clotting when you're on Coumadin. But actually, the Linus Pauling Institute at the University of Oregon, which has studied this extensively, says that there is no increase in abnormal clotting when you take excess vitamin K, and that's pretty well established. But people confuse it because it's the antidote that increases clotting if you are on blood thinners. That also goes for bananas, which is uh, people on Coumadin. It can screw up your Coumadin levels when you get your Coumadin levels checked. If you eat a lot of bananas or a lot of spinach and green leafy vegetables, because they also contain a lot of vitamin K, which can reverse it. But for normal people, if you take one gram or less a day and you only need 100 micrograms a day, which you get from meat and eggs and uh, cheeses, and there are two types of vitamin K. The K1 you get from the green leafy vegetables and the K2 that's in cheeses, meat, eggs. And we know that the vitamin K2 in studies has been shown to decrease the risk from heart attacks. And that benefit is not associated with the K1 version of the vitamin. And we now know that people who have intestinal problems like Crohn's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, their bowel wall has trouble ingesting all vitamins, including vitamin K, because our intestine is like the border wall. It has to let the nutrients in and it has to keep the bad things out. But when you have inflammation in the wall of your gut, you don't absorb vitamins as well. And that's why it's important to see your doctor, consult with your physician, check your vitamin levels to see what's happening, because we're really just a big bag of chemicals. And that's why we need to go to the doctor and check our levels. And also alcohol use, regular alcohol use interferes with the absorption of vitamins, including uh, vitamin K. So the bottom line is, no, it does not increase clotting on normal use. And also K2, as we discussed, is very important because it activates like a super glue protein that binds calcium to our bones. And that's why it is documented now that people who take the vitamin D3 with the K2 they seem to have less osteoporosis and less bone fractures, and that's why many doctors recommend that they take the form of D3, K2. And again, don't take excess of anything, because even vitamin D is fat-soluble, and fat-soluble vitamins can build up, and you can get vitamin D toxicity, but that is very, very rare. But the mnemonic, again, is ADEC, A, D, E, K, are the ones that stay in our bodies, and the other ones, like B and C, those are the ones when you know, they say Americans have the golden richest urine because when you take things like C, your body uses what it, it will, and the rest just goes right out. So the bottom line is that it, it does not cause clotting with regular use 
And uh, if you stay within, and, the and yesterday we had a discussion, or yesterday, the day before, I lose track of time, uh, with Dr. Mihalos on uh, the value of vitamin D three uh, on uh, limiting the uh, dimension. Uh, yeah, situation. mental, which is amazing. Yeah, I, and yeah, I, by the way, I do the both. I, since you did it the other day, remember you were here with us, Ed Cox, and we all wrote it down. I've been taking D three K two, and I remember all of your names perfectly ever since then, <laughs> and I feel great. I ran out right, of what's memory your pills. <laughs> you don't need them. You have the best memory of anybody here, John. <laughs> it's actually a hormone, vitamin D, and it does show less uh, brain shrinkage and less. Uh, cognitive decline. And also during COVID, we found out that people with high D levels, they were not the ones ending up in the ICU and die because it turns to help your immune system fight off viruses as well. And it's the precursor to the happy hormone serotonin that we need to increase our happiness levels. So stay healthy, keep listening to WABC, and we try to stay on top of the peer-reviewed literature and share it with our audience. And the last warning is watch out for lithium batteries. If there's a fire, please tell our audience, do not inhale, run away from it as fast as you can because it produces hydrogen cyanide gas, which can actually be very... Electric vehicles could, might be dangerous to your health. That's really, especially on this day when they made that uh, announcement with the EPA. Wow. Uh, Dr. Mihalos, we love you. you. Thank you. You always give us the best information. Thank you. Now I understand we have Michael Goodwin from the New York Post, a star reporter. Absolutely. And Michael, uh, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. You had a blockbuster column uh, basically saying, you know, uh, the ba- the buck doesn't stop, essentially, with Biden, that everything is somebody else's problem. And there are so many issues. Give us the sense of what is the biggest concern to you, Michael, uh, for you to write this. Well, thank you, Rita. Uh, I-, I think the overview here is that uh, big, big things are happening on the global stage. And I think a lot of people are probably tuning it out. I mean, we all have our daily lives, our daily issues to deal with, you know, concerns closer to home, but it really matters what happens on the global stage. And the way I see it is we are witnessing events that we have never seen in our lives. I mean, those of us alive today have grown up in a world where America was the real superpower. And even the Soviet Union, when it existed and when it was threatening all out, I think there was a a pretty strong feeling that America would prevail. And we have have lived in a largely peaceful world uh, because of America's strength, because America was, as has been described, as a benign empire. Uh, Well, now you have these changes. I I refer to them almost like the the tectonic plate shifting. And what you're seeing is China making a move. And you're seeing it bringing along Russia, Iran, probably North Korea will be part of the party before long. Uh, And you're seeing this, this new axis of evil forming. And it is picking off some of our so-called allies, such as Saudi Arabia. By the way, a lot of them lately, which is really well, scary. Right. Yeah, and, and so these are all alliances that we built, the United States built and maintained ever since the end of World War II, some even predating that. And now you're seeing France saying, for example, we're, we're not going to follow the United States if it, if it uh, militarily defends Taiwan. We're, Europe is going to stay out of that. France saying that. Um, You have Egypt on these leaked documents. Egypt, 
uh, sending missiles and armaments and gunpowder to Russia. The president of Egypt is caught in one of these documents saying, and we have to keep it secret from the West, meaning America. So you have this fracturing of these alliances that have held the world as we know it. So, but it does and, it come down to Biden and a lack of leadership? Is that why this is all happening? with Obama, who invited the Russians, Russians into the Mideast. First time since President right. Nixon kept them out after the Yom Kippur right. War. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. Henry Kissinger once said that bringing Egypt uh, to the American side away from the Soviet side was one of his greatest accomplishments. That, that And that happened, you know, during during the Nixon term. Uh, and so that we're that, that is being rewritten. That is being revised now. And most people, I think, are not focused on it. And the point that I that I make in the column is why is it happening now? And it's because of Joe Biden. I mean, everybody in the world looks at Joe Biden, friend and foe, and says he's weak. He's befuddled. He's too old. And they make their decisions based on what's good for them, believing that being America's friend is not necessarily what's good for them. I mean, it's an extraordinary development that is happening day in and day out. And uh, it's right in front of us. Michael, it's Richard Weinberg. The column is very compelling. And what was very troubling to me is that it's only a couple of years since Biden has controlled the White House. And the momentum here is enormous. And every day it gets worse. And I, I ask myself, what can we do for the next couple of years to put a check on this disintegration of Pax Americana? Uh, that's a very good question, Richard. I mean, I think if you look at it from, say, China's point of view or Russia's, uh, you would have to say, look, we don't know if Biden is going to run again. We don't know if he'll be elected. So we should move now. We should take our opportunity now. This is the maximum chance we might have. And so I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these moves right now. Uh, Look, I think the next election is important. Uh, The the president has the freest hand possible in foreign policy, but not completely free. And so even if uh, Republicans were to nominate a candidate who, who loses, I think Congress still matters. Uh, in this regard, because you can at least, I think, guard uh, some of the budgetary issues as it relates to the military. And you can you can have a voice on foreign policy, even if it's not necessarily the final or only voice. And, and Saudi Arabia is bringing in so many other Arab countries. And now also, I understand it's not real. It's public information, but it's, nobody talks about it. I understand uh, Nigeria uh, canceled the New York meeting that they had this weekend, and they're headed for Saudi Arabia. Wow. So Nigeria, too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, part of it always was security, right? We we sort of unofficially extended our nuclear umbrella to a lot of countries, not just in Europe. Now, now they're, they're not sure. They're, they're just not sure, and they're getting a better deal somewhere else. It's it's every country for itself. Well, thank you. Scary. Thank you so much, uh, Michael Goodwin. And keep telling the truth to the people. And um, God bless you. And, and what do we all stand for? Truth, truth justice, and the American way. way. From the Daily Planet building here, thank you so much. Pray for America. <laughs>
Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.